How do you make sure your content is delivering the right message to the right person at the right time? Stay tuned to find out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Pragmatic Talk, the show where we go deep on the topics of marketing and technology to help you level up your marketing efforts. And we're your hosts, Scott and Susan Westwater. Today we have another great episode for you. Joining us is Zach Messler. Zach spent 20 years practicing and leading product marketing for B2B tech companies, teaching non-technical sales pros to explain complex software to executive buyers, and today he works with founders of high-growth B2B technology companies to transform their messaging, reposition their products, and to teach and empower individuals and teams. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, you're making me blush. We've known Zach for well over a year, met him through LinkedIn, and it was probably through one of his posts that I you know, reached out to him. And over the course of the year, we've done a lot of, of you know, chats. Uh, we actually met for the first time in Charleston last year, and he's just a really great dude. And so like, we wanted to bring him on and really help share him and his message with our audience. So Zach, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. Thanks, Scott. So first, this is awesome. I'm so happy to do this. This is so cool. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rocking out my, my pandemic hair. <laughs> you know, I think Susan called it hockey hair. So yeah. you got the, got the locks in the back. So I spent 20 years in, in product marketing for B2B tech. Yep. And what that means is I was a translator. So I'm not a technical guy at all, but what I had to do is I had to understand a technology, a complex stuff, really deeply, be able to train a sales force so they could sell it, and be able to market it, create content, create messages, and market it to largely an executive buying audience that wasn't technical and didn't really care about all of the bells and whistles. So because I'm not technical, I came up with a way to do this really easily, to translate something that could be really complex or ambiguous and tough for people to understand and translate it into words that people get, that, that really connect the core value of the offering to the core value of the audience and all the things in between. And uh, now, so I, I was in the corporate world, like I said, for about 20 years. I left, I jumped a little less than three years ago and now I have a, a product marketing, a messaging and positioning advisory service for founder-led companies and entrepreneurs. And I help people know what to say and how to say it so they make a bigger impact on the world and their wallets. Yeah, it's, I mean, quite frankly, what you do is outstanding. It's Mm -hmm. really taking, getting you out of that, you know, technical jargon mindset. And I think a lot of us, you know, whether we're practitioners that start our own business, whether we are, you know, established companies, like, we start to talk to people about our stuff and our technology and you know why they should care. And what you really do is you help people kind of break through a lot of that and distill it down to its most basic essence and really you know help people talk in a much more concise way that's relevant to their audience. Well, and it's super important to do that because you, you hit it, especially when you're a founder and you have something that you love it's your baby right. and you think everyone else should love it too and you geek out over it and of course you geek out over it and when you geek out over it though you're only going to hit the people who share that passion for what you have and already get it and you miss out on all of those people that aren't really aware that a you exist right. or b they even have something that you or your product you're offering can help so by getting down to the essence of the offer, it's really, you know, it's it's a mentor of mine years ago. I so I found a guy, or a guy found me, I guess, in in marketing, in tech, and I was a, a, a young whippersnapper. I was a young product marketer on this team, and I was a few layers down from the the CMO. And it was the, my first big product launch. It was, I remember it was called SyncStream. It was this transcription thing. And I put together the start of it. was really my first, I call it a sales pack, my first sales pack. And it was really sales enablement on messaging, diving down deep into the product and answering questions, answering what is it, what does it do, 
and why does it matter? Why does it matter to our target audience? And I did that for the product through all of the features for the audience, for the market problems. And I delivered that to the sales team and this guy saw it and he was blown away. And from that point on, I started getting all the big projects. And then when our company was sold, it was sold to 3M and you know, we were, I remember that's, I mean, this, I'll go on so many different tangents, Scott, if you just reel me <laughs> in. So, so, you know, people, some people were laid off. This guy moved on and he, come on, Zach. And, and he, he was a puller and I worked with him for 10 years. Oh, wow. And one of the things getting back to now the original point, one of the things that he used to always say to me, because I'm a creative marketer. I love get, I love being creative. I love uh, making things, creating things, get a reaction, seeing what happens, what sticks. But when you do product marketing, you have to worry about the product. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. I always say, I always say, and I believe this, no one gives a shit about your product until they do. Right. But you have to understand your product, your offering, your service, what your, whatever it may be. You have to understand that deeply and so deeply that you can talk about it from any perspective. And that's why getting down to the essence of things is so important. Yeah. When you can look at, when you, when you understand so deeply what it is that you have, what it is, what it does, and why it matters to any particular audience, you can look at it, you know, I'm use my phone, but you can look at it from any different angle and have, uh, know the right thing to say. Yeah. Well, and I think audience is key. Like that is an important part of figuring out um, for that clarity is how do I make sure that this is something that actually is not just something that sounds good, but it actually sounds good to the right people. And it's important Absolutely. to have that and resonate with them as opposed to what resonates in my own head. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It's so funny. Like I, I often start out clients with this clarity you know, a clarity piece where we walk through those three questions. What is it? What does it do? Why does it matter? As you guys know, this is what mm -hmm. we did. Right. Um, but when I think about the, the buyer attraction formula, what, what causes people to be attracted to an offering and, and makes them want to buy? It doesn't start with the offer. The offer is right smack dab in the middle. It does. Mm -hmm. It starts with the audience. It goes from the audience and it's, it's not just knowing your audience anymore. It's not that you hear marketers talk about personas or avatars or it's that stuff is great, but it's make believe. Right. It's it's mm -hmm. it's also watered down. Yeah. It's pulling lots of pieces from lots of people and creating this fictional character, this fictional avatar. What's better these days is becoming your audience and becoming your audience is still, it takes a lot of work. It's still doing all the things that you might do to build a buyer persona or build an avatar, but then it's also figuring out where your audience is and engaging there and interacting and becoming one with your audience. And this is why LinkedIn is so phenomenal because you can, you can do this right in LinkedIn. You can do it in, in social media and Facebook, in, even, well, I don't know about Reddit groups. Reddit groups mm -hmm. are kind of off the wall. But, but when, you, when you interact, you learn the nuances of the language. You understand the pain. You don't just know the, the challenges. You experience the challenges. Right. So it's, it starts with audience. After audience, even before offer, is position. So we want to know for, for our offering, whatever that may be, we want to know how or, or define how we show up in our audience's mind. We right. want to define that. How do we want to show up? When somebody thinks of pragmatic digital, for example, what do you want them to think? Right. Well, this is getting into core values. You know. So when yep. we talked about before, we talked about connecting core values of the offer to core values of the audience. This is this positioning is understanding your the core values of your offering the value proposition, really. Well, and it's so interesting because really our approaches are very, very similar. And so, you know, we preach understanding what the business objectives are, mm -hmm. what your audience is trying to achieve, and where those intersect is really where you should start and focus. And so whether it's your messaging, whether it's mm -hmm. a voice solution, 
whether it's your website copy, whether it's video, like whatever, where those two things intersect is really where you should be focusing a bulk of your time. And I can tell you through a lot of agency experience that I've had, you know, we're creating content for content's sake yep. and we're not really solving sure. the audience problem or the business challenge. And it's really been a, a, a volume game. And so I, I think it's, it's critical that you get to that crux of it of where you're, it's appropriate for you to be providing content solution, whatever, while you're understanding your audience. Yeah, and I think there's also that whole idea of shiny and new messaging, like, oh, I'm bored with this one. Well, sorry, it's not about your boredom because you've seen your message because you're writing it all the time. It's understanding that you have to keep reinforcing those things and it's not about, you know, what is it, spray and pray. It's about being consistent because that's what's going to actually come through when you talk about that perception. That's not developed overnight. And that's so important if, you know, if, if there are company founders online right now and listening in or listening later on the recording, that is so important. It's your baby. Of course, you, you love it yeah. so dearly, but what you think does not matter. What you think does not matter. What your audience thinks is what matters. Right. And I, I work for a company, a big founder-led company. I mean, they're, they've, they're public now. And the founder was a, is and was super, super bright guy. Crazy successful company. And it was in spite of the messaging, because every single year at sales kickoff, every single year, he would put together a new message. Yeah. And he just, it was his baby and he wanted to do it and he had mm -hmm. trouble letting go, but he was changing the message every single year. And it was, it's crazy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to change your message either proactively when you want to move your audience along to something else or reactively when you see your audience has moved on to something else and you want to follow along with them. Yeah. But to do it just haphazardly because it's, oh, it's January. Hey, we need a new message for 2021. No. Well, and how often do we see sales and marketing have different messages? And so, oh, for sure. you know, and for so sure. once you start talking about larger organizations, even within that organization, there's a disconnect depending on who you're talking to. Like customer service is saying something different than sales versus marketing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a big part of what Susan has done in her career is figuring out how to, let, let's say it, unite the clans and actually get everyone kind of reading from the same hymnal. So we're actually using consistent language. Yeah. It's the language of our audience. And ultimately, we're all driving in the same direction versus everyone kind of pushing in their various directions within their own silos. Yeah, well, and it's important to do that because then the materials that one team's creating can be used by another team. And holy crap, we can actually use resources to create new tools that are helpful. And instead of continually solving the same problem over and over and over again, it's like, we've solved this one, let's move on. Um, imagine that rather than, I mean, exactly. how many advertising exactly. campaigns try to solve the same problem over and over again. Right. Yeah, the best, the best companies that I've worked for, we've always had, we, we call, used to call it the three legged stool, but you had product marketing mm -hmm. and sales all just connected. Yeah. Just walking lockstep. And, and it was, it's always collaborative in the, in the cases. You know, often, too often, and especially in tech, I, I work with tech companies now sometimes, not exclusively, but I see this especially in tech. It's common that you have sales and marketing and they are diametrically opposed, yep. you know, and, and it's, you know, you hear that, that, oh, we, and it's the complaints from sales, oh, these leads from marketing are crap. And it's the complaints from marketing, oh, these salespeople don't know anything. Oh, they're diving mm -hmm. into features they don't know or they're making stuff up just to make the sale. That's a sign that sales and marketing aren't working together. Right. Both yeah. of those. Right. Yeah. And marketing gets marketing gets treated like a four-letter word a lot. Yeah. Um, I think where it's sort of, oh, you're coming up with these things that aren't even in touch with reality. Well, that's where sales can be your best friend and help you ground it in reality. And then that way, then you are making the right messages. But how many times through marketing do we find out these are the important features because we see what gets resonates 
by how people react to campaigns or what people click on or what people totally. ask about. And so it's almost like free research that product can, doesn't need to necessarily do then. But the challenge is, is you guys, they, like you said, it has to be that stool. Because if it's not, then it's going to be everyone working in their own way and not sharing each other's intel. And that's a lot of wasted money when you think about it. Yep. I, I became a much better marketer the first time I went on a sales call. The first time yeah. I went on a sales call. And and even, you know, I, I on, um, on LinkedIn, I saw someone post something uh, last weekend, over the weekend, talking about, that when she became a better mark, much better marketer the first time that she had to pitch, and then she started seeking out sales pros in her mm -hmm. company that would give her an opportunity to pitch, and that is just awesome. Yeah. Because as a, you live in a bubble sometimes as a marketer, and you can't, you're not going to be as effective. And it doesn't matter. You, we're talking about companies right now, but it doesn't matter if you're a company or if you're a solopreneur. It doesn't matter if oh, yeah. you have one person in your company, five people in your company, or 500 or 5,000 people in your company. It doesn't matter. As a marketer, your role is to connect the, the offering to the audience. You can't do that if you don't know the offering and the audience. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, I... I can't tell you how many times I've seen that in various organizations I've done work with. Um, you know, there's a lot of, we have the customer at the center of everything we do, which is great PR and it feels really right. good. Um, but at the end of the day, marketing generally is looking at data that's coming in, um, you know, through their website, maybe some, maybe some social, uh, whatever. But a lot of times, they're not going out and talking to their customers. They're not yeah. talking to their audience. They don't know the language that their audience is using, like the actual word choice. And so there is a massive opportunity yep. um, as a smaller player, even mid-sized player, to actually do the work that a lot of other folks aren't. Because the other part that happens a lot is, well, Hewlett Packard's doing this, so we should just follow them. I'm sure they're doing it the right way. Oh God! And, oh, and God. like, the when, more I know, once the you more actually I know get not. into the organization, and you find out, <laughs> well, they're not doing it any better than the next place. Yeah. So it's critical for you to actually yeah. do your own homework, so you're in, better informed, and it just trickles down throughout the entire yeah. organization. And, and it's not just talking to your best customers. No, it's talking no. to kind of your no, shitty no. ones, like the ones who are pissed off. Like, well, why well, are you pissed yeah. off? And Help it's me not understand. just your customers either. It's yeah. not just exclusively your customers. Right. It's your prospects and your market. It's right. it's it's all of that. Right. And the dirty secret in marketing, and I certainly am guilty of this myself at times even still, but the dirty secret in marketing is everybody says that they do audience research <laughs> and they, you know, oh, we know persona, but nobody does it. Nobody does that. They don't. The ones that do, you know, because yep. those are the companies that absolutely kill it. And they connect mm -hmm. with their customers and they have this this just heartfelt message that pulls people in. Yep. You know, or, or maybe not heartfelt. Maybe it's, you know, depending on the audience, but they they laser in on what those cares are yep. of their mm -hmm. audience, the feelings that their audience want to achieve or want to avoid. And it's real. You can't the problem is you can't fake that stuff. You used to be able to fake that stuff. Yeah. You yeah. can't fake that stuff anymore. You're no. smoked out immediately. Yep. Yep. Well, and it's so easy to do the research now. Like it's not oh, like yeah. five years ago, yeah. even you know, even three years ago, you you had to really spend a lot of money, find a bunch of people, conduct your own research, conduct your own surveys, do focus groups, whatever. Like now, there's tools like SparkToro that exist. Mm -hmm. There's tools yeah. that allow you to yeah. actually just go in and and observe conversations. Um, this is actually kind of a, a funny story. When I was at Foot Conan Belding years ago, uh, really in the early days of Reddit, um, we were working on Kraft Mac and Cheese and we were look, working for or looking for new messaging. And I literally went into Reddit just to see what people were talking about. And there were all these like 30 and 40 year olds that were like admitting that Kraft Mac and Cheese was a guilty pleasure of theirs. And so I, I basically <laughs> pitched this idea of, you know, you love it. Like it's, it's fine. Like it's cool. Like, it's okay. but it was like from this like little nugget that I found on Reddit, just by observing people like sheepishly admitting that when they have kids, Oh, I'll make one for them and I'll make one for me because I kind of miss having it. It's those types of insights that are just incredible and it's easily gained as long as you spend enough time and you set aside the time to actually mm -hmm. do it. 
That reminds me, actually, of, of one of my clients. It's a company called Executive Networks, and they they run events. I mean, it's live. It's all virtual now, but but live and virtual events within online community, really online communities for HR pros, the senior most HR pros in the world's biggest companies. And it's pretty ambiguous, you think about that. It's super, super targeted, but how do you talk about community? And then it's executive networks. It sounds like it could be something technical, yep. but it's not, it's networking, um, but not networking. Right. So how do, you, how do you get to this? Well, to do this, and we answered those three questions and did a lot of work with them, but I interviewed their customers, I sat in on their sales calls, I asked about objections, I listened in on, on not just one-to-one -one sales meetings, but they, they did some cold calls, they did some cold emails, and I'm listening in on their, uh, and watching their outbound and reactions that they're getting and everything. And one line kept coming back, which is, I, I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like I'm all alone because who can I talk to as a senior, you know, a, a chief human resources officer for a multi-billion dollar conglomerate, there's no one for me to talk to. Right. Because if I talk to the CEO, the CEO or the executive team, the executive team doesn't get what I'm doing. They don't understand that what I'm up against and I can't share everything. If I talk to my team, well, it's my team and they're reporting to me. There's, I can't share everything there, and sh I feel like I can't share certain vulnerabilities there. Right. I have no one to talk to, and so I have this very small group of people that I trust, and that's it. And if you're not in that group, well, then forget it. Right. And that's what kept coming up. And so the words that we, we ended up using was leave the island, find your people. Hmm. And it opened everything up for them because instantly, that just spoke to the audience. Yeah. And it's so, so simple. Yep. It's, it's the HR island. And, and we tested that on the audience. And it was like, yes, yes, that's it. And, and things just went from there. And now, I mean, you go to their, their website and you see, leave the island, find your people. Right. This is the end. That's awesome. That well, wouldn't have happened without the audience work though. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Happen. Right. And it's, again, it's, it's not, as my uh, former colleague uh, used to say, it's not rocket surgery. Um, it does take some time to uh, identify the trends and the topics and the language and all that stuff. But once you do, you, you can speak in such a more concise, intelligent way that really, truly resonates with your Connects. audience. Connects. Connects. Yep. Yeah. And so I think yeah. to that end, I, I know you also recently uh, did something with a group called Speakers Who Dare. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, and I wanted to make sure that, that we awesome. had a chance to <laughs> talk a little bit about your experience uh, with Speakers Who Dare. That was so great. Can you Speakers talk Who Dare is awesome. Yeah, Speakers Who Dare is, is, was awesome. You know, I, I was kind of bummed out. You know, it was, well, I'll get to that. So Speakers Who Dare is a platform for people with world-changing messages and it's kind of a combination between a TEDx and a Broadway show. And the women that put it on are just powerhouses. Uh, Trisha Brooke and Jamie Broderick. So Trisha was, well is, a producer, director, writer, choreographer. I, I always tell, uh, when, I'm, when I'm explaining who she is to friends, I always say, well, the picture of Trisha on Internet Movie Database is with Susan Sarandon and James Gandolfini at some award show. <laughs> like she's, she is hot shit. Like, she is the real deal. And so I, I auditioned for it. You had to audition. And it was going to be it's – a, it's a live show in New York at, at a, a theater off Broadway, and it was supposed to be March 26th. Well, mm -hmm. you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic here in the States, and we were we were a full go, and then we were, okay, only the speakers are gonna be there, we're not gonna have an audience, and then New York City shut down all the theaters, and it was, well, now why don't we just video this? Everybody, everybody video your talk, uh, you can be as creative as you want, and I'm going to create a film. And that's what she did, she took these files, and. 
and worked with a professional editor and created the Speakers Who Dare film, which is on YouTube now. Um, and it was it was awesome. But so so my message was about be it's really the key to communications. It's 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 important to be heard. Yeah. And I I tied it back to the xylophone. You know, I like to say clear, you know, the, the best business communication is clear, compelling and convincing. And clear means you're you're understood. Compelling means you grab attention and you hold on to it. And convincing is you inspire or you otherwise motivate your audience to take action. Right. Um, and that's what the xylophone is. So that's that's what I did. I played the xylophone and and demonstrated all those things. I mean, it's look, it's kind of like. Yeah. So like. For example, like it's a xylophone, so already it's compelling because it's like, you know, what the hell is this thing? But you think of the song Flight of the Bumblebee. Uh, can you hear me okay, by the way? Yeah, sure, hear you yeah, fine. Yeah. Great, great. So you, you, you think of the song Flight of the Bumblebee, and I am way out of practice right now. So, <laughs> but Flight of the Bumblebee is this crazy complex song, right? I mean, it's... simple because if I play that same stanza that I just did look how simple this is. it's so simple but when you when you master simplicity it's remarkable and that was that you know the the three the three things that I covered were that it's being simple the, the key to being clear is to be simple to be compelling, to stand out, well, the xylophone stands out. I mean, but just being compelling isn't enough because it's compelling. I mean, it's, it's different. It's compelling. Uh, but alone, that's not enough. And then convincing is taking on the, the convincing is taking on the perspective of my audience. And so, you know, what I said was, maybe you're not a Rimsky-Korsakov fan. I should play this too. And maybe you're more into Bach. See, this is, I haven't done this in a while either. But maybe you're not a Rimsky Korsakov fan. Maybe you're more into Bach. Or vintage, I don't remember it. It was like vintage Broadway. I don't remember it. But, but the point being, if you know your audience and you know what their preference is and you know what they, what they, like what they love what what they want to hear and what they need to hear yep. then you're going to have a better time connecting with them and you're going to be more convincing they're going to want to take action the buyer is control in control of every buying interaction these days sellers think they are right but we're not we're not and we haven't been for quite a long time either yeah like I no think and I think no. the thing is, too, is that when you start talking about your message, like as you were talking about the different styles of whether I want to hear Tchaikovsky or if I do want to hear Blink-182, that all depends on my message. So messages also give you the freedom to say no, which is a really important thing as a founder, also as an organization of these are the boundaries. And I'm not saying no to make it personal. I'm saying no because it doesn't align with our message. And so that takes some of that um, personalness out of it, but then keeps you honest and keeps you consistent. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and I'd like to switch gears for a second because I, I did kind of promise the story um, on, on some of my oh, yeah. LinkedIn posts oh. and, and it, we haven't had a chance to get to it. So um, so last fall, we oh, were down in Charleston. The, find the picture. <laughs> Um, well, you're pulling that up. Last yeah. fall, we were in Charleston uh, for Kurt Mercadante's Freedom Festival. And Zach actually was there, uh, which is great. It was the first time we actually had a chance to see him uh, in person. And so we met out at a bar, um, had a, a bourbon drink of some sort. I believe it was an old-fashioned. Yep. And then we went to this restaurant, a very famous restaurant in Charleston called Pugin's Porch. Um, and for those of you that don't know, uh, Pugin's Porch has the reputation to be a haunted food establishment. And so it's in this beautiful old home. 
Um, but there, there's allegedly um, the lady that lives upstairs who haunts the upstairs mm-hmm. area. And then there's also Pugin, who um, is the resident dog of the home that was alive back in the 1970s. Um, and so, yeah, so we met Zach for dinner uh, that night and uh, we were having a, a, a great time. And then this, this kind of funny thing happened. So I, I'd love for you to share mm-hmm. what, what we actually did see. Oh, my see. gosh. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. I can't find the picture right now. It's not worth trying to find. I can I, you know, share it on a post later maybe. But so I love biscuits. I love them. There's just so something about biscuits, like good southern biscuits. And, of course, this place is a southern restaurant. They have biscuits. Right. So I have all these biscuits. It's great. I'm a messy biscuit eater. <laughs> so I, you know, stuff falls down. There's a little piece on the floor and it fell. And I said, Oh, excuse me. I, you know, and, and I said, Oh, wouldn't it be funny if the dog, the dog ate the biscuit and we laughed. Ha 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 ha. And then it's towards the end of the night. And I looked down and Oh my God, it's gone. And no one has been there. Like, there's a little mm-hmm. mess there. It looks it looks like a dog or something lick, like ate and licked up the floor. It was crazy. Yeah. Now, could I have hit it with my boot? Maybe, but probably not. I mean, it was really closer to, you know, my butt than my foot. Um, could someone have walked over there and stepped on it? Maybe, but nobody really walked around us. Yeah. No. So... It was just like, well, in the- oh my gosh. And I am not, I am not, or at least I should say was not a believer in supernatural stuff like that. But that was mind blowing, man. Oh my gosh. Well, I just remember crazy. the look on your face when you looked up and you're like, guys, it's gone. And we're yeah. like, ha ha ha, real funny, <laughs> it Zach. Like, it was crazy. And then we look under the table oh, and look. yeah. You picked your shoes up to show, like, it is not on my feet. We all looked on our own feet to be like, I don't know, did one of us step on it? It was nuts. And it wasn't there. It was nuts. And the best part was then when we told them, the our, our, our server, and said, hey, <laughs> um, so this happened. And she said, oh, thank, thank goodness he picked it up. I hate it when they drop it and they, I have to clean up after him. And that's kind of the- It was the, just so nonchalant. Yeah, yeah. as if, and yeah, the thing is, is when we talk about the reputation about this place being haunted, it's not a secret. No. And they were sort of like, well, good for you. You got to meet Pugin. And- It was crazy. That was not our That goal. was crazy. Yeah, it was- It was uh, really cool. And, and, and much like you, like I was never a believer in any of that type of stuff. And uh, I, I can attest that we saw something I cannot explain. And that's yeah. just kind of how yes. I have to leave it. Because yes. it's- uh, there, there's no explanation for what happened. <laughs> that was crazy. It was super fun, but that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. It was a great weekend, actually. I'm glad Kurt actually yeah. did that. Um, yeah, learned sure. a lot, met, met a lot of great people. So, yeah. and someday we'll all get back together again at events and and have crazy things like that happen. Yeah. And until then, we, we get will. to have technology like this. Yeah, that's right. Well, so I I do want to share. Uh, for our audience um, that you've been incredibly kind um, and actually have a a bit of a special offer that you would like to offer the folks either watching this live um, or listening to this on the replay. So why don't we uh, talk a little bit about that? Well, let's talk a little about, let's talk a little about that finding clarity session. So um, in fact, I'm going to toss it back to you guys. Why don't you talk a little about this Finding Clarity session? Because that's kind of what this offer revolves around. Yeah. So the, the Finding Clarity session is going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this. It's getting to the essence of your offering. And it's answering three questions. What is it? What does it do? And why does it matter to my target audience? And it's remarkably simple. And it's not so easy to do, especially by yourself. Yeah. So, so this is so. Th- so the offer typically what these sessions are. It's it's 60 minutes, and we go through these questions. And for everyone here or listening in, I'm going to boost that to 90 minutes. So it's a 90 minute session. We'll go through these these three questions, 
at the end, what you end up with is remarkably clear and frankly compelling content or, or messaging that you can use on a website, that you can use on social posts, that you can use on sales collateral if you do that sort of thing, that you can use in sales, sales conversations and pull these snippets out and it just gives you a much deeper understanding of your offering. You, you get to the essence and you can talk about it more clearly and in a more compelling way from any perspective. Yeah. yeah, and we, I mean, we're communications professionals. This is what we do for a living. We came to Zach because we were just too damn close to our own business, mm -hmm. the, the value proposition, the technology. And so we found ourselves falling right back in the trap that we always find ourselves in. Uh, and, we, and we tell clients not to do, um, but we, we worked with Zach to really identify at, at the core, here, here are the core messages of Pragmatic Digital. Here's the things that people, your prospects will actually care about. And it's influenced our social media posts, our, our social mm -hmm. ads, content that we put out, um, really just everything that we do, our website, and it really helped us get to the crux of what we were trying to say. Um, mm -hmm. But we always, you know, added a few extra words in yeah. and it wasn't necessarily as clear as it could be or as concise as it could or be. Or we always wanted, you know, we're at all that in a bag of chips. And it was good because we got back to just being that important bag of chips. Right. And uh, making sure that that was understood. And the thing I want to call out, too, is so as uh, most people know, I'm a big content freak. Um, we all know that that's what's really important to not just voice experiences, but all. And the thing is, is that when we start with our clients, what we start with are fundamentals such as this. Yep. And we know that I would love to say all of you show up with that all perfect. You don't. And that's OK. Here is a way to get to that um, so that then you can start figuring out where do I need to have experiences that are going to deliver or that means something, or actually are worth the effort of creating them in the first place. And this is an, like Zach's process is incredibly helpful at getting at those things so that then you can build. Um, these are really important foundational building blocks. That's the word right there, foundations. This is all foundations. And, and it's funny, because when I started out doing, well, doing my own thing and taking all the stuff that I learned from the 20 years in product marketing, it was it was difficult because it's foundational and it works. Mm -hmm. This stuff works for everything. Yep. And you know, I decided to focus in more on founder-led companies because I dig working with people who are passionate, who have amazing ideas that can do some good for an industry or for the world. Even I mean, that sounds kind of goofy to say the world, but but I'm serious. Like, yeah. It's it's there's a purpose usually behind being a founder. You have something you care so deeply about, but it's hard to articulate it without getting back to the basics and the foundations of these things. Yeah, they say they say go back to the basics, and it's because the basics work, and we all yeah. forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if someone wanted to take you up on your offer and work with you on that, what's the URL that they can visit? Oh, sure. So there is a bit.ly link. It's bit.ly or bit.ly slash get super clear. And that'll drive you right to a Calendly page where you get a little, little more information about it. Yeah. Um, and you can schedule it. Yeah. It's something that we yeah. did. Um, it was something we had always intended to do. And I think, mm -hmm. Zach, I even mentioned this to you. I wanted to do that early on. We just didn't have the right opportunity to pull the trigger and actually work with you on it. But I am so glad that we did. Yep. Um, it really helped us hone in on the essence of what we should be talking about when we're talking about this whole new technology. And you've really helped us you know, get super focused, laser focused on what those messages are that will resonate with our audience. That's awesome. And we had a good time too. Always. I mean, super fun. And, and that's the thing, like working with you is just, I mean, th yeah. this is you, like this isn't just a persona. This is literally, yep. when you work with Zach, this is literally how he is. And he always brings, brings the boom shakalaka. So yeah. boom shakalaka. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, can I tell you one more story? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, we were talking about this before we started here. So it's actually five years ago today. So I was working at this company and, you know, I'm, I, 
was being told the the CMO was was telling me to use you you know you need to say this or you need to say that and I knew it was the wrong messages to put out to market but I was a good corporate citizen and so I was doing what I was told and at the same time I was being yelled at I was being pushed down and it it was I was ready to quit and 5 years ago actually today I I wrote something I woke up in a cold sweat no exaggeration in the middle of the night and I was panicky and and really unhappy and I wrote I wrote something I started um, I d I figured out the key to the universe um, you can read it on my LinkedIn profile if you search Zach Messler I think it's uh, yes linkedin.com slash in slash Zach Messler it's called the key to the universe and it's really just two things it's do the right thing so the idea behind that is if you're good at your job if you're good at what you do if you have a sense of ethics, then you know what the right thing to do is in right. any situation, so just do it. And number two is don't be afraid of the repercussions. So if you do the right thing and something bad happens, don't be, so what? What's the worst thing that happens right. if you mm -hmm. do the right thing? It's probably not as bad as you think it's gonna be, but what's the best thing that happens? And so instead of just writing about that, I started living that way and it was from that moment I used to have corporate Zach and Zach Zach right home and work and they were two very different mm -hmm. people and I stopped doing that and I just started living I, I hate this to say it this way because it, it's so overused but I lived my genuine life I lived my authentic mm -hmm. I was my authentic self yeah. wherever I went and that's when things started blowing up in a good way yeah. I mean all the yelling stopped I built these unbelievable relationships with salespeople. I was able to do all of the things that I knew were right because I didn't care anymore what happened. I was able, I found I was able to stay calmer and cooler in more t intense situations mm -hmm. because I knew I had done the right thing. And then things just cleared out. And it, look, sometimes you find out that you're wrong. Yes, sometimes you find out right. that you're wrong. Yeah. But and and that's fine. Again, if you have that sense of ethics, you're what's wrong is not going to be really wrong. It's right. just you're going to find it didn't work. Right. But once I started, once I started living that way, it life became easier. I'm me. This is what you get. What you yeah. see is what you get. Yeah. Well, and having two different personas, work persona and home persona, is exhausting. And I think a oh, lot for of sure, mm -hmm. for sure. And I think a lot of people that are out there right now, um, whether they are still working or they're between jobs or whatever, I think a lot of people because of the COVID situation are reevaluating their life. And it's almost like we're all sense. having a collective midlife crisis where, mm -hmm. you know, just through force of the situation, we're kind of taking stock of our life. And, and I think, you know, we all have this epiphany at different stages in our life. But I think for us, we had the same kind of a thing happen. And I couldn't, applaud you more for recognizing that a but actually just deciding this is how i'm going to be and this is how i'm going to live yeah it's so funny i have um i haven't been able well i haven't been able to i haven't worn the these in a long long time but i have a pretty cool collection if i do say so myself of uh, of oxford's of two-tone oxford shoes <laughs> and i have a buddy who and i'll wear them wherever like i'll, I'll wear them all the time and I had a buddy say to me, oh man, I could never get away with those. Like, why not? Why can't you just wear the freaking shoes right. if you yeah. like them and you think they're cool, right. then then just do it. Oh, I couldn't ever do that. And that's, I think that I couldn't ever do that. I mean, this ties back to being compelling. So clear, mm -hmm. compelling, convincing. Mm -hmm. The key to being compelling, creating compelling communications isn't being creative. Being creative helps. Sure. But it's having the guts. It's having the mm -hmm. guts to do something, yeah. or having the guts to do something different. Yeah. I mean, for for Pete's sake, I use boom shakalaka as a hashtag, and I have emo an emoji signature on my freaking profiles. Like, who cares? It's right. fun. Right. Yeah. And and if people, this is another audience thing too. If somebody doesn't like my approach, great. That's fine, because. I'm doing this stuff to attract people that I want to work with. Right. And mm -hmm. so if seeing boom shakalaka, if 
seeing an emoji if really conversational, sometimes slang type language isn't your thing, well, then we shouldn't work together. Right. That's yeah. great. Right. Yeah. I actually had, um, there is someone who, a uh, fairly successful person with an established brand who was talking to me about trying to make, you know, convincing someone to work with her. And she said, well, I use the data. And if the data doesn't work, then I try this. And I said, you know what? There are times you are going to be too much for someone and you're going to be too much for some mm -hmm. people. And you know what? You're not, they're not your people and that's okay. And that person looked at me with a shocked look and said, no one ever explained it to me like that. Like, yeah, I'm like, and it's okay. Like, I, I think I spent a lot of time telling people things like that where it's, you know, and it ends with, and that's okay because yeah. it's, it's permission to do that just as much as, um, I I'm probably the more conservative of the three of us here in this group. Um, that's kind of known. Um, and the thing is, is so, it's fine because that's my personality. And if I tried to be a boom shakalaki -y, silly person, it wouldn't be any more genuine than if you tried to be corporate. It's not you. Right. Yeah, and that's right. and that's yeah, the important it's essence. It's not just about, I'm gonna be fun for fun's sake. It's, well, if that's who you are, or I'm not saying I'm not fun, by the way. I just thought I'd make that clear. <laughs> um, but that type of thing is an important thing. And that's where you get into that message and that clarity because that also helps you inject that into there. Um, and, and if there is swagger, fine. Yeah. You can have swagger. It's okay. You yeah. got to earn that swagger, but it's important to, to get That's to right. those, those essences. Well, we're so afraid to not have everyone in the world want to work with us yeah. that, you know, we, we kind of put on airs or a persona, but it's actually, you, you hit the nail on the head. You want to have people self-select. Like you don't want to talk to a bunch of people yeah. that are going to have a problem with your approach. You're going to have a problem with, you know, the way you the way your messaging is or whatever, like you just don't want to deal with that. And so especially as a founder um, starting out, like it's a, it's a scary prospect to say, all right, 35% of the population, I'm not even going to worry about talking to because it seems like you're giving up opportunity. But what yeah. you're really doing is you're yeah, diluting you're yourself not. and you're focusing on the wrong things. When you actually cut that part of your audience out and you focus on the folks that you really want to work with, then that's where the magic happens. And so again, I, I think it's a, a great approach on your part to say, hey, these are the types of people I wanna work with. Here's the kind of people I wanna yeah. attract. And quite frankly, it's what attracted me to you. That's awesome. Well, it works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It works. Yeah. Because the other thing is too, is you don't wanna mi misrepresent no. who you are no. and what you do and how you show up. So if I were to become much more buttoned up, that's not gonna represent how you interact with me because right. I'm not buttoned up. Yeah. No. And well, then it's and then it's well then it's and then it's man, this goes back to the clear, compelling, convincing thing again. Because if you're if you are compelling convincing. No, if you are clear, if you are compelling and convincing but not clear, then you have a bunch of pissed off customers because they right. have bought something mm -hmm. that isn't what they thought. Right. And it's the same thing. If, if I'm showing up a certain way that I'm not, and then people get on the inside and see that I'm very different than how I was advertised, well, what's the good in that? I'm gonna piss people off. Yeah, and that's really, Especially, I mean, really any point in your uh, company's maturity, yep. but especially early on, that's like literally the last thing you want to do. That's the difference between survival and not when you're starting out. Yeah. I mean, there's two ways to grow yeah, a company. Sure. You can take everyone who walks in the door and wants to work with you and you probably end up losing money the first few years because you're exhausted right. um, emotionally from pretending or dealing with people who you didn't want to work with in the first place. Or you can be super choosy. And yes, there's going to be nights where you're laying in bed going, um, all right, we'll figure out runway tomorrow. But tonight, you know, I've got at least yeah, 12 more yeah, hours. The out, but the right? reality of it is, is part of the reason we founded our own thing and sound similar to you was I was tired of having to work with those personalities and going, that person, oh, but they're the client. Well, wait a minute. No, no, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, and I'm not saying that, um, I'm not even going to name names, but like you have to deal with that because that's part of being in an agency services environment, even in a corporate environment. This is the only time when you're a founder that you can say, 
I'm doing this because this is what I, my passion is and this is what aligns with it. And I, I get to say yes or no because it's my mortgage that's on the line, right. not everyone else's. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's funny, if I ever get to, I don't, I don't do proposals, I just don't. And I used to, but if I, if I got to a point where it was clearly a company that, it, it, could, have been a, it could have been a great contract, but if it was clearly something that I was going to regret, in the beginning, early early on, I'd just take it. Yes, oh mm -hmm. wow, it's this much money, great, that's right. awesome. And I don't do that anymore. I yeah. mean, I don't really, like I said, I don't really do proposals anymore, but, but I'm not gonna work with a company or an individual if we're not jiving, if it's not, if there's, if it's not right, I just, I don't wanna deal with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those new business pitches, it's just like, um, and I think that in our, today's job seeker gets a little more leeway in the idea of when you're interviewing, it's not just an interview of you, you're interviewing the company. And some of those red flags that are deal breakers will present themselves. It's up to you whether or not you're going to do something about them or right. make that negotiation. Yep. But it is understanding it's the same thing like when we meet with clients or whenever you meet with anything, it's. Can I work with this person? Do I want to work with this person? Those For are sure. important questions to ask because you're giving a part of yourself and, and you know, it's the old saying, you can't find the right person if you're with the wrong one. It's important to make sure that you've got that sorted. Yeah. For sure. Totally agree. Well, Zach, this has been awesome. Uh, we went a lot longer than I thought we would, but I mean, yep. I think we... Shocker. Shocker, right? <laughs> um but I, I think we covered just a ton yeah. and there's so much here, so much rich stuff here for founders and, you know, really a lot of folks that, you know, we're, we talk to that, you know, you want to talk to. Um, and so thank you so much yeah. for, for taking the extended time to talk to our oh, audience. Oh, sure. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Are there, are there any questions out there? Um, I can't see anything. I, we have an error. Um, on the Are, comments. So yes. of course, halfway through the, the comments stopped working. So I don't know if there are comments or not. All right. Well, um, I can answer that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if you're listening, if you're watching and you have questions, shoot me a note on LinkedIn, or you can reach me at Zach, Z-A-C-H at ZachMessler.com and shoot me a question. I'd be happy to answer your question. Awesome. And we'll add all the contact information and everything else that we talked about today in the show notes. So uh, if you're listening to this or you want to listen to this um, on the podcast or whatever, we'll have all the links in there for you. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, it would mean the world to us if you'd share this episode with your friends or colleagues who you think might find it helpful. And finally, to get more marketing tips and tricks on your Amazon Alexa device, simply go to the Alexa store and enable Pragmatic Talk, a voice marketing flash briefing. Until next time.